and welcome to the MTG Profits Podcast. You're listening here to episode 26. Glad to have you with us. We're here to talk about Magic the Gathering, some news, and of course, as well as we get into the finance of it, looking at uh, what cards are worth, what you should buy and sell, and all sorts of other financial-related topics. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Devin. Hey, everybody. Yeah, so so we've got uh, some good news this week. It's been a little bit of a busy news week. A lot of things going on, especially yeah. like finance-wise. Yeah, I was just going to say, especially things that impact the finance of the cards. So it'll be a good news week for uh, for our listeners here. We, shall play, we plan to enlighten you. Prepare <laughs> yeah. to be blessed with enlightenment. The enlightenment is coming fast and furious. <laughs> and it's going to get it right in your, your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, machine spirit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, did you want to start off? You've got a few news I, items. I gotta, I'm just going to go down the list here, and uh, I think you, you got some, too. Um, I saw a thing on Reddit the other day, and... You know, this is one of those things, you know, can't say 100%, but there was apparently some discussion with, with Mark Rosewater concerning the next set and Planeswalkers, and they're talking that there's going to be a basically a reverse Planeswalkers. So similar to Origins, where you had a Planeswalker, and they, they'd be the, the human kind of weaker form, and they would flip with their spark and become... Uh, their their planeswalker planeswalker form the awakened yes the awakened state this is going to be the reverse you would start with your planeswalker state and revert back to the 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 human state or whatever oh that sounds terrible yeah so there's apparently that has been been put out there that that is going to be in the next set or sometime soon uh, as a as a theory. And uh, it looks like it's basically been been confirmed. Well, you know, still conjecture at this point. Can't say a hundred percent if that's true or or just uh, fiction on the on the interwebs. But uh, it seems that from discussions with, with Mark Rosewater, that's going to be the case. It's interesting. Um, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. And I, I guess that probably I'm sure that ties into the the whole theme of that set, War of the War of the Spark, where you know planeswalkers and Sparks and some epic battle and all of that. Like sparking and de-sparking. Exactly. So maybe somebody loses a, their spark and Nicole steals it from them or I don't know, whatever. Something, yeah. <laughs> yeah honestly, it could though, be interesting. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, that's some of the comments I saw and I, I can kind of understand that is, you know, that, that, you know, it was kind of the more fun part of it where you're kind of powering up your guy to, and then to a stronger form, but starting strong and going weaker... You know, that seems bad. It seems bad. It seems like you, it's not as a, a fun. I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it just depends on how it's implemented. Implemented, like for example, maybe when you despark, you add four mana to your mana pool or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Now that could be cool. I'll ask for that. You know. you know. So maybe they'll. I could see that happening. Yeah. I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see what this whole world yeah. spark's going to entail, and obviously more planeswalker related things. You know, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised they haven't done like a heavy planeswalker set. May might not maybe they'll do that this year. Maybe this is going to be the year of the planeswalkers, you know. Mark Rosewater said in his uh on his blogatog that um he's going to they're going to be it's going to be a crazy year for magic, exciting things and um I'm sure they're going to be selling us lots of new expensive stuff and uh, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> 
So maybe uh, that's going to be part of the push. Maybe they'll have a an all planeswalker set. You know, like they had all artifacts and the, you know, or all uh, flip cards. Or you know, maybe it'll be a maybe a, a heavy theme. We'll, I mean, we'll uh, Dominara was you know high in the legends. I mean, yeah, that's right, heavy legend. Yeah, so maybe it'll be. We'll have a heavy planeswalker set, you know. Yeah, I don't think that would be good. <laughs> you know, I, I, I you can't, I, I can't take imagine. one of those special kind of cards and go go too buck crazy wild. with it. Yeah, you know, unless they had tons of planeswalker support cards or planeswalker anti cards, you know, I could see them just going heavy, heavy, like oh, you know, remove a planeswalker, or you know, every time you do a planeswalker effect, double it, or. Uh, pull counters off your opponent's planeswalkers. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I could see that. I'd be know. fine with that. Like planeswalker related cards. That's but, what I would imagine. Yeah, happen. but not actual twenty new planeswalkers. <laughs> no, I, but I'm sure it's only a matter of time until they do do something like that. Like yeah, you know, a very heavy planeswalker interaction uh, set, so to speak. I, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. So. Hmm. Speaking of uh, excitement and exciting things that Magic's going to do for us, I know you had read a little <laughs> bit about the uh, the Pulse, the the direct to consumer sales. And, yeah. Uh, so this was just yeah. just recently announced. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I the uh, the the first thing that people got up in arms about is well, you know, if you're selling directly to the consumers, aren't you stepping on the toes of all your retailers? And um, you know, they tried to quash that as as a potential problem by saying, "Oh, you know, we're we're just trying to connect with our uh, our collectors, and um, it's not going to be really direct selling per se, but direct interacting, and um, and we'll have very unique specialty products there and uh, collectors' items." And I don't know if you've read a little bit more into some of the details, but um, it's going to be a subscription-based model, apparently. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I did see that. So they want you to pay, you know, fifty dollars to become a member, you know, and they'll they'll send you a Planeswalker Spark in your email, and you'll be able to access the website and buy special things, you know. You get that, some, uh, I think, uh, some items before they're officially released. You can pre-order some things. Exactly. A couple other bonuses. So it'll be curious. I believe this is the beginning. You know, it's funny because every time Wizards does something, they they seem to epically wreck it somehow, mm-hmm. and then realize they're like, oh, we made a big mistake. So for the sake of argument, the 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 recent uh, the uh, Ravnica Allegiance or not the Ravnica, but the original, the Guilds of Ravnica Epic uh, Mythic Timmy Edition, the um, oh the the Mythic boxes that were two fifty. Yeah. And, uh, yep. They tried to host them on uh, Hasbro's website, mm-hmm. and that was such an epic failure that uh, they ended up having to refund boxes, and they had to send out uh, "We're sorry" cards and things of that nature to uh, purchasers, and so that was a, a huge fail. And yep. then the uh, second huge fail was uh, the eBay, which was I would consider a, a partially huge fail for them. Uh, they would probably consider it a semi-success, but um, they sold a ton of. Uh, a ton of them, but the problem that they had was due to the way that eBay sells things, buyers had a sense for how many were available, yeah. and so they sold robustly within the first six hours. You know, they were flying off the shelves literally every five seconds. But then after six hours, the and they 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 upped the quantity amount to uh, 20k effectively. Then interest instantaneously dried up. And um, 
And so basically, they hated the fact that a special limited edition product that everyone could tell that it was not limited, that there were essentially thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of boxes available, thereby dispelling the illusion of uniqueness and special. Yeah, yeah. You know, so once people realize that there's so much of it out there, that it's not going to hold its special place in people's hearts as a, as a limited edition item, the value of those products instantly dried up. And um, really so that, that was a uh, failure. So what they, what they want is a website robust enough to handle brisk sales, but they also want to be able to control the available amount so that the buyers cannot actually see how many are available. So yeah. Kind of curious. So uh, I'm sure that's what they're after. They want to directly sell product to the to the end user, specialty high dollar product that they make tremendous margins on. Yep. And wow. um, they'd like to cut out the middleman as much as possible, which seems to be their typical modus operandi lately. That you know, that with the uh, with the arena being a direct to sell, direct to consumer product, arena, and Amazon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Although that's there's still a tiny bit of a middleman there, but. Um, you know, logistically, it's probably better for wizards to let Amazon handle it. But technically, there still is a little bit of a middleman there. Yeah, true. You know, true. But, yeah. So um, this uh, the Hasbro Pulse actually it launched on uh, February fifteenth. Uh, Sets the new online store for all of Hasbro's stuff. So that's uh, Nerf, Marvel Legends, Transformers, Star Wars, uh, Power Rangers. Um, and all the kind of special collections of all those types of things, and the uh, the premium service is the Hasbro Pulse Premium, which gives you free shipping and access to premium only sales and discounts and other perks throughout the year. Okay. And uh, you can get the benefits for free right now until February 24th. After that, it costs you fifty dollars to sign up for the Pulse Premium. I saw that fifty bucks. Yeah. Oh, curious. We'll see uh, see how that goes moving forward. I anticipate that they will release their new modern staple set as a premier product on Pulse. And I think that's how they're going to draw people to the website, get people used to using it, and selling a premium high-dollar product directly to the consumer. I, I think you're 100% right. I'm just, uh, it's just a question of when. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I bet you it's going to be a modern product because I want to say that Morrow has mentioned that uh, it's going to be the year of modern. So I, I would anticipate some special new modern masters, although they'll call it something different than masters. They'll probably call it, I don't know, modern staples or staples are us. I, who knows? <laughs> so do you think it's worth uh, signing up for, for Pulse Premium and, and hope know, of, of getting uh, first access to these things? I really, I really am a little doubtful. Uh, we'll see. You, you know, I, I cannot imagine myself paying fifty bucks for access to uh, w- Wizards' early product releases, and things yep. of that nature. I, I may be vastly wrong, but I just can't imagine it. You know, when you have, you know, services like Amazon Prime for a hundred and twenty bucks, and it gives you, you know, videos and music and infinite free shipping on any item you could ever want. I can't imagine wanting to pay Hasbro 50 bucks for a privilege to getting to their stuff earlier. Absolutely. And, uh, that seems... It, it seems like something I personally would not like to pay for. No. 
Additionally, I find that their move towards relentlessly pushing limited edition and special product releases, I feel is detrimental to those products because they lose their specialness, number one. And number two, as a general rule of thumb, it seems that every time something is pushed as a special limited edition, almost never do they hold value as organically grown scarcity. Yeah, it does seem to be the case. If you're specifically saying this is the rare limited edition, it's not going it, it to almost be. Never, it almost never is. You know, it almost never is. It's always the thing that, that caught manufacturers by surprise, that people loved and bought all of them up, and there was actual organic scarcity versus artificially, you know, stating a product as scarce and, and, and trying to market it as, as such. Yeah. So, I'm I'm surprised too that you know I, I'm not fully aware of all of the different toy lines, but you know there's been so much there's there actually is so much heavy, um, what you want to call it? I, I guess what you were saying these different series and special select uh, collections that they've been creating. You know, but I didn't realize I've just been looking recently into the Transformers and they've have there's new and new series of Transformers being released, and these aren't you know your typical you know, just cartoon-based ones from current TV shows. These are special premium, they call them like the studio series and the studio design series that are, you know, special collector versions that are, you know, $20, $100 for some of these. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty, and they're nice. They're very nice uh, toys. And uh, I think they're taking a little bit of a, uh, a cue from some of the uh, anime figures creators. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the, some of those anime figurines, but they sell for hundreds of dollars. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're like high end. And I think Hasbro's thinking, hey, we have this intellectual property in the form of Transformers and, you know, G.I. Joe and things of that nature that uh, we should capitalize on. If people are willing to shell out a hundred dollars for a for a lump of plastic that's molded, we should make a lump of plastic that's molded and sell it to them for a hundred dollars. Absolutely, you absolutely. Know? I think you know, and you look at these. I mean, they've got the properties. Oh, Marvel X Men. Okay, we'll make a collection of them. Oh, yep. Star Wars. Oh, guess how many Darth Vader's we can make that are premium ones? Or yeah. Star Wars: The Vintage Collection, Episode Four: Return of the Jedi, Tatooine Skiff. It's just the guys from the Skiff <laughs> <laughs> for forty dollars. Wow! Oh my, those you gift know? dudes are not worth forty bucks. No, they all died horribly. <laughs> they didn't probably don't even have names. busy running into trees. Nameless, nameless Empire soldier number seventeen. <laughs> I know they'll probably got. I'm sure they probably have special names now that they got more. Yeah, golly, that's funny though. And yeah. uh, the re-release of Dungeons and Dragons, all of that. They've been yes. putting that. Um, so yeah, they're going crazy with the old stuff, and uh, I understand. I mean, it makes sense. It has nostalgia, and people want to buy it. Exactly. Slaps the, the term uh, premium collection or something. Yeah, limited yeah. edition. Only 80,000 copies. Legend very, very series. Limited. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this, no. uh, yeah, this new Darth Vader is Star Wars, the Black Series. <laughs> oh, my. Mm. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, so I I don't see got eight different hands. <laughs> oh, you can swap them out. Yeah, <laughs> my goodness, more things to lose. But you'll never do that because he's gonna stay in his packaging. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. You I'm could sure. stare at his hands, though. You could look at him through the plastic. Yeah, <laughs> you can enjoy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so that was interesting. We'll see how the pulse goes. Yeah. I, I don't see myself paying 50 bucks for the no. privilege of buying something that has such a limited real life usefulness you know if it was like five bucks maybe maybe 10 but 50 no way you know it's just way beyond the pale in my personal estimation of the value of that service absolutely absolutely oh and just a slight correction it was 39 dollars for the actual skiff the the guys the, the the figure the skiff figures you can buy separately and they are now available for about $13 $13 a guy. <laughs> wow. It's still kind of a lot. It is a lot. That's funny. Uh, I guess speaking of pricing, though, uh, there was another big pricing-related uh, announcement about the uh, the MSRP. Yeah, big news there. Very big news, actually. It's probably the most tectonic shift in pricing that we've had. Well, honestly, since last year's tectonic shift of uh, the... Uh, the of the four uh, percent uh, box price increase, or yeah. the four dollar box price increase. So that was the yeah the you're right the the loss of MSRP the uh, the official statement of uh, Wizard saying they're going to do away with MSRP for uh, uh, product moving forward and um, letting the market demand determine the uh, the MSRP. And I think they were saying, what, that it, it the reasoning for it was, oh, well, other parts of the world really don't use that, and it's not really uh, yeah. value. Everything they say there is bullshit, and there's just no, it, there's no way of denying the only real reason they're getting rid of MSRP is so that they can instantly and literally jack up the prices on all product across the board and sell almost everything as a premium product. Now that we've essentially given Wizards the green light to to sell us physical cards at $9 a pack, that's exactly what they want to do as much of the time as possible. So I would expect a, a relentless increase in cost on prices, or price cost for cards and sealed product. Sure. Uh, so I think they're going to have relentless premium product upon premium product that um, they want to sell, and um, and we'll see. I think I think I, I think in the next few years it would not surprise me if six ninety nine becomes the new base cost for physical booster packs. Wow. That I, yeah, I can see that. You know, I was thinking about yeah. that the other day. Like I remember, I used to buy packs for three dollars, two ninety nine, four dollars. Yeah, and now four ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, or is it four ninety nine? Holy I cow! I think it's four ninety nine when I looked at the Target the yeah, other Target day. or something. Yeah. yeah. So I, ah, it was, oh. I think we're moving towards uh, the six ninety nine per per standard booster pack, and um, and nine ninety nine and uh, fourteen ninety nine for premium product. So it would be nice if for six ninety nine you could get uh, cards that wouldn't wouldn't curl instantly upon removal from the package. Yeah, know? that would be nice. If they're going to charge us premium pricing. It'd be nice if they could actually make us premium printed cards. Yeah, that would be good. That'd yeah. Be good. So I, I'm sure that's the goal. I, I think they want to get it so that all the prices, all the card prices, are similar to what they were during Modern Masters, the original, which was, I believe, six ninety nine. I think yeah. that's probably their their end goal, and I, I think they want to be there by probably 2022. And yeah. I guess just to, to, to 
enlightened for our, our listeners too. I guess the one of the things I guess that the MSRP provides is kind of, I guess, a little bit of pricing reference. Is that is that the way to put yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of what the user should pay per pack. Yeah, because then it gives you kind of an idea what it's worth versus what the the sellers are going to sell it for, and, and kind of gives you a frame of mind for the I guess the value of that product. Exactly. And by by freeing your mind from the constraint of what the product should cost, thereby it allows the price of the product to drift higher much more easily. Yeah, because you have no expectation of what it what it, it really is. Cost. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that that is very deceptive when you've taken away any sort of kind of measurement. I any guess. reference. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that MSRPs also protect sellers from from downside pressure as well. Uh, so for the sake of argument, typically an MSRP is not used to jack the customer, but also to protect the store owner as well. And uh, the reason for that is markup on most products that you would purchase in any kind of retail environment is uh, between 42 and 53%. So if you're buying a pair of shoes, it's a hundred dollars for nice round numbers the um that usually would have cost the the store seventy dollars to purchase so mm -hmm. uh you know or say you know say you were going to buy something for 50 bucks that would have cost them 35 dollars to to purchase and get sure. on their shelves um magic is uh unfortunately a very low uh markup product for stores uh, so they buy them, you know, for <laughs> eighty-two dollars a box now. Yeah, so, uh, they're they're not really uh, selling boxes at a, at a premium, I tell you that. But um, but historically, MSRPs were built so that um, so that if you were a, for the sake of argument, if you were a, a local Seven Eleven and you were selling packs of gum, and the MSRP is twenty-five cents per pack. You know the the buyer knew that um, effectively. You know if the if they were charging you you know less, that you were getting a great deal because the the store was you know paying a, a certain amount for that pack of gum, and um, by the same token, it, it also gave the 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 user a sense for how much they should pay reasonably. So sure, it gives the buyer some protection. It also gives the seller some protection. So in this case, it's more about, I think, reducing the protection for the buyers and also the fact that they don't care about sellers. So I, I don't think the Wizards really cares much about the local game stores in that regard. So. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems that this is just another another hit uh, to, to the stores and to how they're, they're pricing. So, yeah, an extra hassle for them. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll have to see how that uh, plays out. They really tried to. It seems like that was very slipped under the, the radar on that one. Yeah, that was like the Friday night news release. You know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, the Friday night surprise is uh, is always the uh, the news release that someone doesn't want you to know about. You know, like mm -hmm. you know, it'll 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 be a news a press release from the office of the president Friday at 4:58 p.m. You know, so that essentially the news cycle is over. And the weekend begins, and the public won't pay that much attention to it. 
versus <laughs> uh, versus Monday, where the the news cycle will talk about it for the next three days. You know what I mean? That's, yep, that's, yep. that's typical of uh, almost any bad news. They almost always will uh, throw it out there Friday afternoon for that specific reason. Yeah, it, it, I don't know if you watched uh, Rudy's uh, uh, an Alpha Investments take on it, but he was definitely. Uh, Oh, anti, uh, anti. Yeah, yeah. He he also echoed that this does, did not bode well for the the future. Yeah, I think it's a it's troubling. I I would I would say to be honest. Yeah. We'll see. But you know, I, you know, from a corporate standpoint, I can't say that I blame Wizards either because you know it's funny to say that, but it, the thing about it is they've shown they've proven time and time again. That if they release special products, we will buy them and we will pay price premiums the for them. The demand is there. The yeah. demand has been there. I, I do think that they will that well will run dry, so to speak. I, I think after relentless product cycles of premium products, I think I think once you start doing that sort of thing more than once a year, the interest and the desire for those products is going to start to dry up. Yeah. Because uh, people just get the wallet fatigue. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. you've just done it too much. Yeah, it loses its its uh its wow factor when you're like, oh, there's another premium product. Oh, there's another, you know, juicy masters re- release. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think they're going to run into a problem that their own success will lead to their downfall in that regard. They're like, wow, we have so much success selling premium product. Let's keep pumping out premium product. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the interest in the premium product dies because it's ubiquitous and not special. Yeah, just the, the over... Yeah, oversaturation uh, of oversaturation. premium product. Yep, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see. We'll yeah. Yeah, those like, are the big news items. Those are the big money money items. I guess uh, the other big, uh, we had the first Mythic Championship went on this past weekend. I think that was in Cleveland, if I recall yeah, correctly. I believe so. Yeah, so that was something new. This was the under the new kind of tournament uh, style that the Wizards is doing. Essentially, I guess, really a, basically similar to a Grand Prix. Um, but that was the, the first... Um, uh, event of that type that that's that's happened. Um, I guess the um, you know we saw a lot of the you know the major decks came out to play. We have the Nexus of Fate, the Solte Midrange, White Aggro, Mono Blue Tempo, all these same kind of decks. I guess the one big thing that to note out of all of this that you know typically after these big tournaments we see certain spikes in cards uh, based on tournament play. Absolutely. And uh, this is a really strange exception. Uh, there haven't been any major spikes on any particular cards uh, after this past weekend. Yeah, it's strange. You're you're 100% correct. Usually we see, um, yeah, nice juicy spikes. And I, I think the conjecture is that um, maybe all the best cards are already known and there wasn't too many surprises. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you're reading that, but... Um, I think that was maybe a potential issue where everybody sort of already knew what the premium cards were and there weren't too many surprise decks that were coming out and and blowing it out of the water, so to speak. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the case. I, I think a lot of things were already well known. A lot of the ones that were expensive, you know, were staples that were used before and continue to be used. Uh, yeah. What was it? The ArcLight Phoenix as an as example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Teferi and Teferi. Yeah. I mean, yeah, these weren't weren't big surprises. Although it, it just still seemed kind of unusual that there wasn't at least one dramatic change. But. Yeah, like a surprise of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is strange. It, you know, it's curious because then the the I guess the the more concerned part of me wonders if it's if it's because the supply is so massive that even an increase in demand can't move the price. Yeah. You know, it makes you wonder is there so much product out there that even when the demand surges, it can't it can't Incre- it can't produce an increase yeah. in the cost sure. or the value, you know, which is a little troubling, honestly, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah hard to say. I mean, so I've seen other conjecture, too, that's saying, oh, maybe it's something to do with Arena, too, that, you know, more people are, are playing it on Arena. They can practice more. They can test things out that way, you know, so that affects you know some of what they purchase and what they they know to be good and I, I don't know. Well, you know I would think that that might be reasonable. However, if you need to get four of of a certain card in arena without using those wild cards, you're gonna have a challenging time doing it. You know? That's true. But and you're gonna have to open a boatload of packs in order to get enough uh, enough rare wild cards to build out a deck. I would imagine. Probably, but if you grind long and hard enough, <laughs> and if you're focused enough on maybe one particular deck, maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think you might be it's able curious. to pull it off. I, I don't know. This, this is a curious kind of uh, situation. Situation on this, but we'll we'll see what happens. We'll, uh, if it's going to continue another uh, of these mythic um, championship events, or or not. Yeah, we'll keep our eyes open. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Definitely definitely a strange uh occurrence on that. Absolutely. Um I guess kind of kind of along those same lines where there's talk about um some testing being done at these uh, mythic championships and um the uh Oh yes. The new there's been testing out uh, a new mulligan. Um, rule, um, and this was—I uh, guess—I think this is actually going to be in. Well, they call it the London test, but it's for, I believe so. It's for the Mythic Championship Two in London. They're trying out a new Mulligan rule. Uh, it's going to be when you Mulligan for the nth time, you draw seven cards, then put n cards on the bottom of your library in any order. So if you mulligan for the second time, you would place two cards on the bottom of your library on any order. We'll see. We'll see if that yeah. comes to fruition, if that really is going to affect the game or not. Um, you know, I think we've spoken multiple times about how frustrating, oh, uh, gosh. you know, the, the situation is with mana and the dependency on that. Yeah, I, I absolutely feel that they need to do something with the... With the mulliganing, I, I feel that it's just—it's so brutal. I mean, other card games have gotten around this, you know, even like Hearthstone or 
Or even, yeah. you know, we would discuss like Force of Will, even their mulligan system, which... Uh, so superior. It's vastly superior to what we're stuck with with the magic. And that's what, you discard your whole hand and then redraw. So with, the, with, with the Force right? of Will, I believe they, I think as they, they call it a partial Paris, I believe. And so you've got your, your, your initial draw of, in, this, in that case, five cards. Mm-hmm. You choose X number of those cards, discard that number, and redraw the same amount. So, for example, if you have three cards in your five-card hand that you like, you may discard the two that you do not like mm-hmm. and draw two replacement cards. And that's it. There's, you only get to mulligan once. You don't get any other mulligans. But you choose the cards that you retain. So it's a far superior situation. Yeah, I think that's much better. Much better even than this, this other one they're proposing. It, it is better, in my opinion. It gives you much more control and selection. It, it does. It does. I mean, it's still randomness is still a substantial part of the game, which you do want some randomness, but it's just it prevents you from getting utterly blown out and not actually getting to play the game by for s- the simple reason of you just not getting cards. Yeah, it's yeah. so frustrating to lose a game just because you're waiting to draw a land or you can't yeah. because you have the wrong color, and you sit there and you slowly watch your opponent just slowly grow. Mm-hmm. And you really don't even get to interact with them in any way. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like a one-sided game. It's like one person's playing and the other person's watching themselves, you know, sink into the water. <laughs> yeah, pretty you much. Know? It's like, I'm just going to watch myself drown here. I won't be able to do anything about it because I don't have the tools and, you know, I'm not capable of fixing this situation. I, I feel it's, just, it's probably by far the most frustrating part of the game. Uh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And I, I know that it's a problem that needs to be addressed, and I wish they would. I don't know. I, I I would I would appreciate some some revamping of the Mulligan rules. They've done it before. I don't know why they can't see to do see themselves through to doing it again. Yeah, you know? I, I agree with you. Not only that, you know, I think it would enhance the game's potential as a game of skill, as as opposed to a game of chance. You know, and it's like I don't know if you've experienced this, but I cannot get out of uh, I can't get out of Silver League. It's like on uh, on the arena, so I'll, I'm like the I guess the highest tier of silver you can get in in uh, limited. Okay. And uh, I cannot get into gold, and, and it's like I'll 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 grind my way through games, and I feel like if I had a little bit more control over the you know. The cards I was dealt, that would be a better situation. Sure. Because a lot of times you'll you'll be out playing your opponent, but you just won't be able to play because you don't have the ability to play your cards. Yeah. So I mean, you'll sit there and think like, "Wow, that was a mistake. Why did he do that? You know, or why did he not attack here? Or why did he attack mm-hmm. with everything?" There are times where you're sitting there thinking, "I would not have done that," and it's because you have the experience and you know, I, I guess I would dare say expertise as a, as a player, but sometimes you're hampered by your ability to play cards because you don't have the right source of mana. Sure, sure absolutely. So, so it, it's a very frustrating part of the game where the random number generation can just absolutely hose you, and it, and it becomes more of like a, a 50-50 game of chance versus the randomness as opposed to playing versus an opponent. 
you're no you're no longer playing against an opponent. You're playing against luck. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Very frustrating. I was playing a game earlier where I didn't draw my third mana until turn twelve. Oh my god. I oh. still almost won, but it was I I, I oh. It's too hard to it's too hard to come back from that, you know. Yeah, it, it's so miserable, you know. It, it's like I said, you you didn't get to play that game; you just watched it happen to you. Yep. You know, very very frustrating. And I wish they would, you know, tentatively adopt some changes in the Mulligan rules. You know, try it at a certain try it at a try it at I don't know some sort of less formal meetings. Try it during pre-release. Try it during. Something that you know won't get the 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 you know the pro players all in a bunch. You know, try it somewhere more casual. Try something because the mulliganing is so terrible. Exactly. I think this is you know that seems like a I, I don't know. It seems like things like this more additional play testing, additional trying out of new rules. I understand that they you know they have to be very careful about such things, but they. They do need to continue to experiment and try to do things like that just for the, to make the game better. They need to improve upon the game. Yeah. There, there have been Take games... Take some risks. Then. Yeah, you know, it's like there there have been games that have done this better. They need to learn from them and, and take take the best parts of other things and, and incorporate it into themselves, yeah. like the Borg. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like they need to, you know... Improve constantly. Yes, they they assimilate. That yeah. is the way. <laughs> you know. So. Like one board cube almost took out the whole federation. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's exactly right. So, oh my goodness, you know. Assimilated funny. their best captain and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Good. So. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Out on that, but yeah. I know we were mostly going to be a news-heavy uh, cast tonight. But um, as a, as closing, did you want to uh, throw out a pick or two? Yeah, I, let's. Uh, you want to do a pick each here? Let's do it. Let's do it. I have a pretty high confidence pick. Um, okay. I've had uh, I've been going That's through fun. a lot of cards, and uh, my my late uh, my fetish has been battle bond cards. I've been, okay. I know uh, historically I've been uh, I had a big uh, I guess bug in my bonnet or be in my bonnet about uh, Masters 25 and Iconic exactly. Masters and yeah. how they have uh, you know tanked prices mm-hmm. uh, of some of those cards and I've turned my attention to uh, the Battle Bond cards and okay. um, so I have a few of those but uh, I'm going to go with probably my 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 highest confidence pick sure and. Um, it's a it's a card that was originally uh, a a um, a um, wait a minute a rise of Eldrazi card. Okay. And um, ways. Yep, it was, and then it was reprinted in um, Modern Masters twenty five. Actually, was this just a mo- oh okay? I'm wrong. This was an Ultimate Masters reprint. So it was uh, Modern Masters twenty five. It's funny because three out of four are Battle Bond picks, but this is the one that's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was all excited about Battle Bond, and now I'm Next like, time. oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, so this was reprinted in M- N25 and also Ultimate Masters. Hmm. It's seeing the lowest price that I've ever seen on it. It was at both Mythic in um, in it was uh, Mythic when originally printed, and um, 
it's it's a card called All is Dust. Oh and, yeah, um, great card. Yeah, All of Dust is a really good card. It's a uh, tribal sorcery Eldrazi, colorless mana, and uh, it says each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls. So it's essentially a board wipe that more often than not turns into a one-sided board wipe where mm-hmm. you know all your colorless stuff is safe, but everything else gets baked. And yep. um, this card now um, is going for uh, the cheapest that you can get it is about $5. And um, I've never seen it this cheap ever before. And um, I can't remember a time when I have seen it below 7 So this is my, my highest confidence pick. It was reprinted as a rare in Ultimate Masters. And um, I think that's got the price... Uh, the price down a little bit. However, those Ultimate Ma- Ultimate Masters booster packs had MSRPs of like fourteen dollars. Whoa! So um, you know, at fourteen bucks, you were not excited to get a five dollar rare. Yeah. So, I think I, it, I gotta say, I mean, I I like this card. I think it's a great card. I think it's a great price. It's a great pick. A great pick me up. I'm I'm just disappointed that it did get reprinted and come in a set just because I have several of these and I, I they're still oh, in my collection oh, and not, no. not dumped. So oh, your, your value got destroyed, unfortunately. I, I was uh, yeah. hurt by this uh, reprinting. Reprinting. Oh, that's a bummer. I, I do think this is one that is a... Well, don't sell yours now. <laughs> Save them. I won't. I'll yeah. hold on to it now. I, I, think this is, I think the sell point is once it crests over 10. I would say more than 10, consider selling... Definitely by twelve, but uh, at five, this is a pickup. This is a buy, oh, right? Good, good card. Yeah, and uh, it's a high confidence pick. You you will not lose money on this card. So especially if we see a resurgence of modern, and then yeah, you're no matter what, you're not losing money on this. So you know, five dollars, go for it. Yes, absolutely. So I know you've got one for us. I've too. got one pick here too. I have a, I still have a, my giant list of of uh, cards that I really liked from um, Revnica Allegiance, and uh, still some more on that list. But one for today is uh, the Biomancer's Familiar. He's a uh, a rare, and uh, he is one green, one blue. Um, he's a two two. He is a rare card. Activated abilities of creatures you control cost up to two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the amount of, of mana and ability cost to activate to less than one mana. And he also has tap. The next time a target creature adapts its turn, it adapts as if it had no plus one, plus one counters on it. Yeah, juicy. Very juicy. I think the thing that really caught me on this was that very first ability. The activated abilities of creatures you control cost up to two less. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be something that's going to uh, kind of has far-reaching effects. I mean, that's going to be for next sets, future sets, past sets, any sort of cost reducer. I think anything yeah. that anything that reduces cost or has sort of anthem effects that affect everything with some sort of lord or anything like that, th- there's going to be a, a demand for that. There's going to be cards that are going to be broken with this. Uh, there's going to be a ways to take advantage of this in, in, in uh, epic proportions. So. Yeah, I think so. I think this this is just a matter of time until you know some something comes along and it has like a you know you got to pay four to activate some ability and it's a really good ability and then this thing reduces it to two. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's like on the tip of my mind I can think of 
there's a couple of things that this seems to be potentially just just awesome for and it seems to me it's a lot of it seems to me i can't think of it but it seems to me like there's some sort of rare red ones that are very that have ca- casting costs that are not casting costs but activation costs abilities that yeah. um I, don't, I wish i could think of it off the top of my head i'll probably think of it like right when the cast is over and i'll be like dang it you know <laughs> it's like i always want to think about something and then i think of it on the drive home when it's too late but um well, I know, you know we, we've seen something related to this. We saw training gowns, which was a, a reducer as well, uh, an enchantment, skyrocket in price up to like 12 bucks, And that's kind of along the same lines as this, where it's, it's reducing activation costs. Uh, and yeah. it's in color from blue, and it's only one mana. Uh, so that's amazing. Uh, and actually, its second ability is not terrible. You know, I've actually, um, being able to At have something currently. basically adapt again, um, is is pretty good. I actually had someone do that to me in a draft, and I I was I I, I didn't understand what was going on at first, and then you're like, what? How did he do it twice? Why did he do it again? Ah, oh, uh, that's why. <laughs> uh, you're like, oh shoot! <laughs> it was an unpleasant surprise. <laughs> uh, that's a brutal one too. Yeah, because it's done at instant speed, and all of a sudden you're like, oh no, he got in. He hit me for yeah. twelve. <laughs> yeah, and some of the adapts are very really good. Plus five. Yeah. <laughs> good grief. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I, I think this is a this is a good pick. I think. Yes. Yeah. So, I think yeah. So. Imagine like so. Yeah. Basically, so I guess a creature that can just keep adapting. That's exactly right. So I mean, gosh, you look at that um, that big uh, what's his name? The big jellyfish. Um. Flying one. You know the big the the the, the big the pricey boy. He's the um, the hydroid crisis. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Imagine being able to adapt. Oh boy. <laughs> oh gosh. You know. Actually, Honestly, I guess I, should, I take that back. He's not an adapter. The uh, um, I'm thinking of the um. But there's the, a couple other big adapters. The Chucko crab. The, the, the uh, crab or whatever. Crab. He's a decent adapter. Um, there's so there's many a that are. Other. Yeah, there's so yeah. many that are good. There's even like you know a lot of the adapts give like plus three plus three or even plus four plus four. See, so that's a pretty powerful effect, and it's limited normally by the fact that it can only be done once. So yeah, the fact yeah. That this removes that limitation is somewhat potent. Exactly. And it can exactly. be done at instant speed as well. Is and really this good. does not require tapping. So yeah, and it reduces the cost of the adapt. So. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a win-win-win on this yeah. side. Yeah, absolutely. So and this guy's good. She's cheap. I mean, you can pick these guys up for around fifty cents, seventy cents. Uh, yeah, it looks like about seventy cents now. Oh, you're right. I see uh, fifty to seventy cents. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is juicy. Well, man, I don't think you can go wrong with him. No, I think you're still a safe bet right there. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So we've got All is Dust and uh, Biomancer's Familiar. Yeah. Those are your buy recommendations for the week. Go out and pick those up. (laughs) Absolutely. I wanted to remind everybody in closing to make sure they check out mtgprofits.com. And um, and I think also check out the YouTube as well. We've been yeah, doing a little too. bit of battling on the arena. Yeah. And, um, Got some more things to post. They'll be coming out there shortly. So if uh, YouTube is your thing and you want to hear us uh, playing in the background, fire it up and uh, and uh, go, ahead, go right ahead. Please do it. 
Yeah. Also, uh, as as always, uh, in closing, make uh, may all your picks be profitable, and uh, have a great day. All right. Take it easy, guys. All right. Bye bye. Bye.